0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the O Show podcast presented by FantasyJocks.com. Be a champ today.
1: Tires the first eight Red Sox he faces. Darnell McDonald takes him out of the yard and the Red Sox lead it one to nothing. Weaver gives up his 19th home run of the season. He tries to sneak a fastball by inside to Darnell McDonald and Donnell McDonald breaks the windshield or a window on a car across the street.
0: What's up everybody? Welcome back to the O Show Podcast presented by FantasyJocks.com. I am your host Jack O'Hara. Episode 33, Boston Strong with former Red Sox and Yankees outfielder Darnell McDonald currently serves as the mental skills coordinator for the Chicago Cubs while owning his own yoga company. I've been trying to see how to pronounce this for like the past hour on LinkedIn. I have no idea how to pronounce this. Some foreign words. Who the hell knows? Darnell knows. I'll uh, ask him what what the hell this means. We'll also get into the uh, awards given out this week. Jacob deGrom. writer writers got that one right. I asked... Brian Hoke about it. I asked Zach Hampel about it. I, I asked Jared Carabas about it. They got that one right. The one that they didn't get right was Miguel Andahar being snubbed by that rat bastard Shohei Otani.
1: I'm angry. I'm, I'm spitting angry. I'm like a tornado of anger swirling about.
0: I feel you, Will. Uh, I don't agree with the decision at all. Zach Hampel said, uh, oh, you know, he's the first uh, player since Babe Ruth to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Miguel Andahar hit two ninety seven with 28 home runs in the middle of a pennant race when you have a team like the 108-win World Series champion Boston Red Sox uh, completely owning the league. I mean... He was a huge part of that Yankee team. Shohei Otani played 50 less games than Andujar did, and none of them were important. Not one game could you say Shohei Otani played an important game over Miguel Andujar, or even Glaber Torres, for that matter. So I'll get Darnell's opinion on that. Hopefully he'll give me an honest answer. Jared gave me an honest answer, said I voted for Miguel Andujar, or I would have. Um, I don't know. But I do know one thing. I know I put him on the list before, but Shohei Otani, every time I bring this up, you know what's going to happen? Do you have any idea what's going to happen because you beat Miguel Andalhar out for AL Rookie of the Year? You know what happens? Do you know what happens? You know what happens? You just made the list. Oh, no. Uh, I'm already on the stupid list. I started the list. Oh, yeah. Well, you're on the list again. You just made the list again. Twice, Shohei. Twice. Don't let it happen again. Miguel Andahar should be the American League Rookie of the Year, but he's not, so we got to move on from it. It's time to welcome in my guest here on the latest edition of the O Show podcast presented by fantasyjocks.com, mental skills coordinator today for the Chicago Cubs' former. Boston Red Sox and New York Yankee outfielder. He's going to tell us a little bit about his clubhouse stories with Big Poppy, David Ortiz, Dustin Pedroia, as well as Derek Jeter for the four days he was actually with the Yankees. Owns his own yoga company. He'll tell us how to pronounce it because I have no idea how to. Please welcome in former big league outfielder Darnell McDonald. McDonald to
1: deep left field. Hamilton back at the water. and Darnell
0: McDonald, the Red Sox' newest hero. Yeah, man, no problem. 11 o'clock on the dot. (laughs) I see you working, man. (laughs) So um, I guess we'll jump right into it. I know you said a little while ago that you – kind of stopped watching after the Cubs were eliminated, but the Boston Red Sox won the 2018 World Series. They creamed the Yankees, creamed the Astros, took care of the Dodgers. What do you think made the Red Sox team so successful this year in 2018?
1: Uh, number one, they had really good players. <laughs> um, really, really good players. And, uh, you know, they played together. she you know, listen to their, uh, you know, even the press confer- conferences after the game, you could really tell that they were united and playing together. And, you know, those are the things that allow you to win championships. And so kind of they had a dream season, obviously. I mean, they set a record and uh, a franchise record and wins. So it was definitely uh, – meant
0: to be for them so ever since you retired in 2013 you've worked with the uh, cubs as like the mental skills coordinator explain your role with the cubs being the mental scores uh, mental skills coordinator
1: uh, um yeah so think second year i worked with the, cubs the mental skills program uh, myself along with uh Josh Lee and John Baker, Ray Fuentes, um, with David DeSilva came on this year. Um, together we really is about, you know, for me, I'm going to rewind back a little bit because when I played, I didn't do really any mental skills training. That's probably the one thing that if I could go back and do anything over again, it'd be, uh, that, understanding that the mental side of the game is a skill, that you can develop like all the other skills uh, that we work on, and so that's uh, really why I'm passionate about the, the mental side of the game. Because at the end of the day, I understand that that's the separator to be, you know, be able to execute at the highest level and do it uh, consistently, and so my role was going around. I started at the lower levels, go around to our teams and meet with players and just get to know them. And I'll uh, be a resource for the mental side of the game for them.
0: So- Obviously, started that in 2013. You were part of that 2016 World Series rung. Tell me a little about about the atmosphere from your experience during that 2016 World Series rung, given it was a 108-year drought. Uh,
1: the atmosphere was. Uh, I mean, if you can imagine what 108 years of not winning a World Series and kind of like the Red Sox this year having a. Uh, it was a storybook season from start to finish. I remember, you know, from spring training to the end of the season. It was pretty much the same vibe the whole year. And, uh, you know, obviously the way, you know, the game, the World Series was won, game seven uh, being an unbelievable game, the whole uh, World Series being, you know, unbelievable. It was... I don't think you could write a, uh, a script better than how it how it went, and uh, I I still watch that that game seven. There's so many uh, great things that that happened, but to be able to be a part of the the parade and see how happy I've never seen that many uh, people happy people together. It was it was one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen to see people lined up. Uh, for miles, miles and miles to uh, celebrate the, the Cubs World Series was, was pretty special. So, um, you know, I'm just blessed to be able to be a part of that experience.
0: Yeah, and definitely, like you said, people lining up all the way down, blocks and blocks. Probably one of the best baseball games I've ever witnessed was Game 7 of that World Series. Um really? So you've, pl- you've played for the Cubs, Yankees, Red Sox, Reds. In your entire career, who was your uh, favorite organization to play for?
1: Uh, I'm laughing because, you know, a lot of people, they ask that question. And for me, it's no doubt the Red Sox. Um, the Red Sox is kind of where I was able to become a, a big leaguer. You know, they gave me opportunity to play and to be a part of something, you know, extremely special. Um, again, so much history of, of guys that have put on that uniform and, you know, games that have been played in that stadium. And so it was, for me, it was like everything that I dreamed of as a kid, you know, playing wiffle ball in the backyard, um, imagining being in, you know, that type of situation and atmosphere. So, and obviously the great people there also. There's so many great people, teammates and people that, you know, work at the stadium and that are part of that organization that just, uh, you know, made it really special for myself
0: and my family. So, I I love Boston too. Boston's awesome. So, Red Sox were your favorite team you ever played for. Who was your favorite teammate?
1: Tough, 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 tough question. I'm excited That's another thing that uh, was really special about my career is just uh, the amount of unbelievable players that I got to uh, watch play the game. And when I say, you know, Hall of Fame, Hall of Famers, you know, David Ortiz, Joya, Adrian Beltre. And there's so the list goes on. If you're a Red Sox fan, you know all the great players they had over there. Um, 2010. was my first year there. Um, you know, we didn't obviously didn't win, but it felt it felt. Uh, you know, that was one of the most special teams that I was a part of, and being able to hang out. And it wasn't even. It was. You know, it, what I really miss is just hanging out with with the guys. That camaraderie. That's another thing that I tell people. That's that's. For me, that's what it's all about, man. The, those those relationships, and so can't answer your question. Can't answer your question because <laughs> there's too many, and it's uh, you know so so awesome that I was able to be a part of. Uh, you know, I, I played with Derek Jeter for for about four days, but that's, right, you know, Derek, Derek Jeter. This guy is the epitome of just consistency and that's what it takes to be a major league player and he did it at that level for 20 years and you see why when you see him um, every day and what he brings it's you're not surprised about the success that he, um, that he had because he's probably the most consistent player I've, I've ever seen as far as routine, everything, he does. And, well, he, and I mean, it, it's, you can see it by the way he plays the game as well. I tell little kids the, the same story all the time about this Derek Jeter. He ran the same way to first base for 20 years. And he did it just how they teach you in Little League. He ran, hit the front of the bag, looked to the right, see if there's an overthrow. It's a lost art in the game. Uh, nowadays. But Derek Jeter
0: did it for twenty years. Now, you mentioned those three guys, Ortiz, Pedroy, Jeter. Those are actually my next three questions. Do you have any like clubhouse stories or any like personal cool stories about first big poppy David Ortiz? <laughs>
1: special person the energy that he brings and he brings it you know every day um Pedroia, same way Pedroia was going to be at the field at like 11 o'clock he's going to be fully dressed in his uniform with his wrist taped everything at like six o'clock walking around locked in telling everyone you know how many lasers he's going to hit and uh you know Again, you know, I talk about that, that consistency. All those guys were extremely consistent with their attitude and their energy that they brought um, to the field every day. And that's something that rubbed off on not only myself but everybody. And, you know, like I said, that's when I went to Boston, that's when I really felt like a big leader because I'm watching these, these big leaguers
0: and just watching what they do and learning. So, Reds, Red Sox, Yankees, Cubs. What was the best moment of your entire career?
1: Again, you tell me. It's a tough, these are tough questions because it's tough to pick <laughs> out just one moment. Right. You know, obviously, I gotta say my first day with Boston. Um. Um. Yeah, that couldn't draw that up. Um any better from the time I got called up to, you know, getting a police escort to the stadium at 6 o'clock right before the game and just putting my uniform on and strapping it on. And next thing you know, Tito's a pinch hitting. So, um, and then to be able to, you know, hit the home run and then come up, bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the ninth. And the walk-off, that's its pretty tough to top that. Um, but I think a, another one that ranks right up there with me was San Francisco hitting a home run for a kid that I met, um, you know, before the game that, uh, unfortunately, he, he passed away. But I um, met him before the game, and he, he I was given a wristband uh, from you know, Dave, Mesmer, Dave Mesmer, who introduced me um, to him, and to be able to hit that home run, I remember they gave me a the wristband. They said, "You know, you're gonna hit a home run today." Of course, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." All right. You know, he's a Madison garner, but I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> but you know, sure enough, hit a home run, one nothing, and running around the bases was uh, it was like a you know it's like a dream. But, uh, I, you know, I kind of go on and on. There's so many things that, um, you know, there's so many moments that I will always look back on and never forget, uh, you know, those moments are, that I uh, really
0: cherish. So that's obviously an awesome moment, should be the best moment of your career. Let's get into a little bit about um, today's game, today's topic's 48 hours ago, Shohei Ohtani won the American League Rookie of the Year over Miguel Andahar and Glaber Torres. As a Yankee fan, I feel a little bit discredited because Miguel Andahar played 50-plus more games than Shohei Ohtani. And I know he's the two-way player and all, but who do you think personally should have won the American League Rookie of the Year, Shohei Ohtani or Miguel Andahar? Mm. Well,
1: definitely value. You know, you got to be out there. you got to be out there. Um, numbers, you know, and Yankees, your, your your guy definitely had the numbers. Also, I think you know Atani for what he did—that's something that's never been done. You know, really at that level. I don't know how many games. How many games did he win as a pitcher?
0: Right. Uh, I know his his season was obviously short, and he pitched like two or three months. I think he had seven wins.
1: Yeah, so that, you know, for me, it could have gone either way, man. I, I'm satisfied with either 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 one because
0: those are, um, you know, they're both deserving of the award, I, I think. So, NL Rookie of the Year Acuna Jr. took it. Juan Soto, obviously, could have taken it. He came in second. Who do you who would you say in the NL Acuna Jr. or Juan Soto? Yeah,
1: Acuna. Tata, man, <laughs> <Luna>. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, to be able to come up and do what he did. And they went to the playoffs, man, that's that's pretty special. That kid's going to be, uh, you know, really special for a long time. That was that's really impressive. And, you know, him and uh, Ozzy put the team on their back. They got the Braves back to, to brave
0: baseball, so to speak. So, Mike Trout, Jose Ramirez, Mookie Betts, three finalists for the AL MVP. J.D. Martinez ended up winning two silver sluggers in the same season as a DH and a right fielder. Uh, A lot of people feel like J.D. Martinez kind of got screwed out of the MVP race, given the analytics around Mike Trout. Um, Mike Trout didn't really play any two important games this year, considering the Angels were out of it pretty early. Do you think J.D. Martinez should have been a can- an MVP candidate over Mike Trout?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you got to be at least a candidate. You know what I'm saying? That's at least. Right. Yeah, at least. And, um, you know, I just, Mookie and JD Martinez, for me, like the MVP, like you got to win. You know, it's about winning and, um, you know, just like, the rookie of the year and, you know, pretty much all, all the awards. I think you got to put all these things together and winning is part of it. Helping your team win games. Obviously it's a team game. Um, For J.D. Martinez not to be a candidate is, is crazy, man. Um, You know, for me, Mookie, what he did at the plate and uh, in the field he'd be my my winner but yeah jd martinez should be he's big candidate for every award there is
0: yeah and considering i don't think the red Sox were that much of a home run hitting team this year obviously this year mookie betts had a career year but jd bringing in jd martinez for the price that they brought him in completely changed the atmosphere up in boston so i think he should have at least been considered over a guy like mike trout who is the best player in baseball but at the same time Didn't really play too many important games this year. Without a doubt. And so you're a Cubs guy. uh, Reports have been swirling around saying that the Cubs are considering trading Chris Bryant this offseason. Basically just saying anybody's not untouchable. Do you think it's even possible that the Cubs consider trading Chris Bryant this offseason? I'd
1: say nothing is ever impossible. You know, but... I'd, I'd be I'd be really sad to see him go anywhere else. Obviously, great player and brings a lot to, to anything. team. Um, at the end of the day, like for everyone, coaches, managers, players, it's all, you know, it's business. And even, you know, it's part of the mental skills and helping even these younger players understand this at a young age because it was tough for me to understand that coming from high school about yeah man this is business now and so people do business and that's why I say nothing's ever impossible um again love Chris he's another one that's gonna gonna be uh you know a game changer for uh years to come and Another one that, another guy that's
0: uh, you know pretty consistent honestly so let's say they don't trade Chris Bryant they end up end up keeping guys like Bryant Rizzo the core of their team basically the faces of their franchise given that Chris Bryant and Bryce Harper grew up together same high school in Nevada do you think it's possible the Cubs go after Bryce Harper this offseason? considering they want to win next year <laughs>
1: Just said, man. Nothing. Nothing is. Nothing's impossible. Everything. Is, everything's possible. I wouldn't put anything past um, you know, Dio and the management. It's one thing that I love about Dio is that he's extremely competitive and he wants to win. And as a player and as a, um, a staff member, like that's that's the type of organization that I want to be a part of. Is organization that are trying to win year in and year out. Um, you know, I I think we we have the, the the guys the guys that were there this year were you know, the team without any additions, you know, the Cubs can win a World Series. So, you know, any addition, yeah, that'd be be nice, but I think the the Cubs have a, a team now that they can win, get guys healthy. And, uh, you know, guys play the way that we know they can play. Um, You know, I think that's possible.
0: And then this question is along the same lines. What do you think the Cubs need to do in order to really be a contender next year? Win a couple more games. (laughs) 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 There you go.
1: Man, it's, you know, look at what the Cubs did this year is, it's, it's it's pretty it's that's amazing also considering uh, you know guys being out in the injuries and to be able to win uh, 95 games that's that's pretty good you know and so when you you win a World Series it's about just getting you know get to the playoffs you get to the playoffs anything can happen it's kind of like the the NCAA team teams teams are. Uh, hot at the right time you know you, you got a chance there's a little luck that you know is involved in that and you know this this past year didn't have really any luck and despite that still was able to do um you know what they did so i don't think it's um you know there's any like big major things that need to happen bring, you know, bring that, that those good vibes back and and win a couple more games. And right there, we're speaking about the, the Cubs winning another World Series.
0: Which I hope they can do. Considering the Red Sox, since they broke their curse, have won four, it'd be nice to see the Cubs <laughs> win a couple more championships. Uh, I got two more questions before I let you go. The first being, you're a yoga instructor. Tell me a little bit about your yoga company, since I've had a really tough time trying to pronounce it on linkedin <laughs> tell me a little bit about uh, that uh,
1: well i will t- tell you right now so uh, i want you to say sayaya
0: sayaya
1: say say sayaya
0: sayaya ya
1: yeah say it two more times
0: sayaya sayaya
1: okay so that's <laughs> it right there nice. you got it and <laughs> what that means is self study and so um, it was, you know right around the time that my career was in and I started doing a little yoga uh, towards the end of my career more as a um, just a, a, a supplement to the workouts I was, I was the other workouts workouts I was doing and to get a little flexibility and then you know I retired and started getting a little deeper in my practice and um, you know, just it was like going through really tough times in my life. And it was it, for that the learning more about yoga and meditation and, uh, you know, doing these practices helped really ch- ch- change my life. And transition into not being a baseball player anymore and, you know, not having, you know, that that competition that also used to have and I know it's really tough for I don't think people would realize how tough it is when the game when you're not playing anymore and this is something that you've been doing all your life so um, you know I also started to understand as I got deeper in my practice of how this translated to baseball and you know you have coaches that are growing up and they're always saying okay you know you need to focus you need to concentrate talk about playing the game one pitch at a time but we never really talk about how you practice those things and so i started to understand how th- doing these practices is a way to practice playing a game pitch to pitch be in the moment be aware of your body all these things that are going to help you make adjustments in game and kind of coach yourself and um you know so that's another th- 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 you know, why I'm passionate about the, the yoga and meditation and, and teaching and teaching guys, um, you know different techniques that they can that they can use and incorporate into their routine. And so, um, you know, part of that Satyaya that yoga brand company, um, you know, we're getting ready to come out with some apparel, and you got to stay tuned. Like really stay tuned. Like really <laughs> soon like really really soon okay I'm getting ready to be 40 Saturday so there you like, go man, that, that'd that be a great time to just bring everything together right so you gotta stay tuned but these clothes are just you know little things that um you know I'm a big fan of hats I love hats and um you know some different t-shirts and different different things mementos reminders to stay present enjoy the moment great great things happen in the moment and um so look out for the the yaya the gear coming soon okay
0: oh I'm sure I'm sure to get a set yaya t-shirt for sure
1: that's what I'm talking about
0: maybe even a hat so last question before I let you go May sixth, two thousand twelve, Red Sox Orioles, top of the seventeenth inning. Bobby Valentine calls you into pitch. Tell me about your experience on the mound that day, regardless of what the result was. It looks here you gave up a three run home run to Adam Jones. But how was that experience uh, being on the mound for the first time in your career?
1: Um, nerve wracking. <laughs> game because you know it's different i pitched before that and have blow a blowout game but to be able to pitch come in a major pitch in a major league baseball game with the score tied tied up um, it, it, to put it this way I did def- I saw how that you know it's not easy throwing a strike number one and you see the fans and you know people are like come on man why can't you just throw a strike well it's not easy and then what else isn't easy is knowing you have to throw a strike when you're two 2-0 to a big league hitter, and you know you got a guy like Adam Jones in the box. It's kind of that's, that's pretty that was pretty scary. And I'm like man, you know this guy, he might kill me with this baseball. <laughs> but anyway, it was it was uh, all in all it was, a, it was a really fun experience to be able to say that. Um, I pitched in a tie ball game in the big leagues. It's funny because a lot of our younger players that I work with, especially from, uh, you know, like the Dominican Republic, the Latin guys, that's that's the – I think that's the one thing that they re- remember about my career. Like, oh, you pitched. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, yeah. I played a little bit too, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, you pitched. Um, and I think the, the, the topper of the story is so – I got the loss, you know. I got the loss, and I come up to bat and the bottom of half of the inning, and I end the game, grounded into a double play off of their pitcher, Chris Davis, who was pitching, who was pretty nasty. <laughs> struck out Adrian Gonzalez on three pitches. That guy hit. hit. He, was, he was batting right right in front of me that game. That's man. Just don't strike out. You know, All right. That's another reason why the mental game is so important. You know, I didn't strike out, but I grounded into a double play to end the game. And you know, I first, you know, then I got Johnny Miller, reporter, in my face. First question. I forget what he asked me. I love Johnny Miller because he always asks the questions that everyone wants to
0: ask, but right. don't.
1: So that was Johnny Miller. So that was my day, my eventful day at Fenway. What did you say, May 6th? May 6th, 2012. May 6th, 2012. Wow. Thanks for reminding me about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had you. How, how was it like playing for uh, Bobby Valentine for that one year or half a season or however how long it was?
1: <laughs> uh let's just say um it's not too many memories from that season
0: i honestly forgot he was even their manager
1: well that's good because i tell i tell my kids we don't talk about that <laughs> we don't we don't say we don't say that name our house now i'm playing it was a it was an interesting experience. Bobby had just come from Japan, and so he brought a lot of those, um, you know, so a lot of the things that they did over there, he brought to um, over here back to the states to the, the Boston Red Sox, and so it was interesting. But I know that the following year, the Red Sox won the World Series, right?
0: Correct. Yeah, twenty thirteen.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's cool, man. Great questions.
0: Awesome. I, I'm glad we finally got to do this after back-and-forth emails. Thanks for taking the time out of your schedule, and uh, enjoy the off season.
1: Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm glad uh, as well. I'm glad we were able to connect. When you're ready to get one of those, those shirts and hats, you can go to svasport.com and get you one of those hats, man.
0: Awesome. I'll definitely yeah. be on that. <laughs>
1: All right. Appreciate yeah. it, man. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Have a good day.
1: You
0: too. Take care. Bye. So that was former Red Sox outfielder Darnell McDonald told us a little bit about it was like playing with David Ortiz, Dustin Pedroia, and Derek Jeter. Uh, can finally pronounce that yoga company name, though I'm not going to right now because I forgot how to, but I am sure to buy a t-shirt and maybe a hat. Once that apparel reaches out, I guess he's trying to expand that brand a bit. Uh, Good interview. Kind of sounded like he just woke up, but that's okay. I'm finally glad I got to do that with him. Um, That was episode 33, a lot shorter than the past few episodes, but that will do it from this episode, episode 33, Boston Strong. I am your host, Jack O'Hara. Few episodes coming up as Vegas approaches for the winter meetings. Um, Brandon Steiner from Steiner Sports, the CEO and founder, set to come on the show in the next couple of weeks. Todd Stottlemyre, former three-time World Series champion and son of former Yankees pitching coach Mel Stottlemyre, set to appear. We have the founder from the seven-line army of the New York Mets. You know who I'm talking about, the uh, fan group that goes to every stadium with the whatever the hell you want to call them, those bangers, those... Custom t-shirts. He'll be on the show in the next couple weeks. We got Jason Bell, AA manager. For the Houston Astros, we'll talk some winter meetings as well as Manny Machado and Bryce Harper's free agency is ticking as time is ticking for both the Yankees and the Phillies. We'll see if there's any dark horses that come out of nowhere. Red Sox only have about $20 million to spend. We'll see if they get uh, Nathan Avaldi back or even Craig Kimbrell. Looks like he's going to be on the move, as Jared said a couple episodes back. So it should be interesting. This is episode 33, Boston Strong with Darnell McDonald. Hit it, Hootie.